Welcome friends. On this podcast, we talk about a lot of things, mostly prayer, but also spiritual warfare, parenting adult kids, and what it's like to be a woman of God living in an increasingly post-Christian world. This is the place where I share interviews with people whose lives have greatly influenced mine and where I talk about the things that matter most to me, things like parenting prodigals and loving people who are deconstructing their faith. God's got me on a mission field filled with people who don't think like I think. I'm learning a lot about other spiritual practices and paths that don't align with Christianity. And every once in a while, I write a blog post or wax eloquent on this podcast to try and process what I'm learning. In today's episode, I'm considering why it's important to take responsibility for the choices we make and how the devil deceives us into thinking we don't have that privilege so that we won't take responsibility for our own choices. The devil knows that once we realize we're responsible, we will understand the reality of sin in our lives, and that will lead us to recognize our need for Jesus. And then it will also give us the freedom to accept the gift of grace that Jesus is offering us. Enjoy this retelling of a blog post. You can find the blog post itself on my Leanne McCoy website. A few years ago, I published a book called Taking Responsibility for the Choices We Make. I wanted to title it Suck It Up, Buttercup, (laughs) but instead we titled it Taking Responsibility for the Choices We Make. And to be quite honest, the book is mostly about how to quit feeling sorry for yourself and how taking responsibility for the choices you make actually gives you the path out of a a pity pool. And um, so anyway, if you want to read the book, I highly recommend it. It's a good book to read and actually maybe even walk along with for your quiet time because, excuse me, um, it's got some action steps at the end of each chapter that are very helpful when you take the time to work through the book, maybe even more so than reading it. It's also a great book to do with a friend because you'll have an accountability partner along the way. And that book, I do um, mention at the end of this blog post that I've decided to turn into a podcast um, because it's related to what I'm going to talk about in the podcast. But what I'm going to be sharing with you in the podcast today is really more about um, the a mindset that's kind of prevalent in the world today, one that um, kind of subtly shirks responsibility And my point in this conversation is that um, if you allow this mindset to seep into your way of thinking, not only are you going to shirk responsibility, but you're also going to have a diminished um, sense of freedom to make your own choices. Uh, And I believe this is a scheme of the devil to try to shut down the choices that you can make. I remember when my daughter was in a very difficult place and one of her own choosing, but then also much of what was going on in her life was not of her choosing. One of the things that frustrated me the most in interacting with her during that time in her life 
was that she felt like she didn't have any choices, that all her choices had um, backed her into a corner and that she was living in a world of, well, I don't have a choice. I have to do this. And I longed for her to realize that she still had plenty of opportunities and choices, but somehow um, the enemy had convinced her that she didn't have that. And I don't know if you might be in the same place or somebody you love might be in the same place today. I hope that by listening to this podcast and this conversation, you'll be able to realize that you do indeed have more opportunity to make decisions than you may think that you do. You have more freedom to choose and to choose wisely than you may think that you do. In fact, there is nowhere that you could be in your life, I don't care where you are, that God is not. There's nowhere that God is not. There is no situation that God cannot redeem. And therefore, there is always a place in whatever place you are where you can make decisions that will honor the Lord and that will open up your path for you to be able to move forward with the Lord. So um, that's one thing that I want you to just understand and to know as we have this conversation about um, the responsibility that we have to make choices. In fact, I titled this blog post, why it's important to take responsibility for the choices we make and why we don't want to. (laughs) And of course, you can read the blog post itself. I'm just going to walk through it, talk through it um, as we as we go along during the podcast. I Googled the day I did that blog post. Do people take responsibility for the choices they make? I'll tell you why I asked that question in a minute. But this is what came up at the top of the page when I Googled, when I asked that question. We are ultimately responsible for our own choices, consequences, happiness, and our lives in total. We're almost always in control of what's going on. And when things are not going the way we would like, or we make choices that are not the best, we need to look at our role in situations. That quote came from an article titled, Make Wise Choices and Take Responsibility, posted on the neuroandcounselingcenter.com. I'll link it in our show notes today. And when I read that definition, I have to confess that I really liked it. I liked it because the mindset that says that I'm almost always in control of what's going on is one that empowers me to make decisions that guide my life in the direction that I want to go. It puts me in the driver's seat. Now, I want to buffer this by saying that, of course, as a part of our Christian life, we give up the reins, so to speak. We, God's not our co-pilot. He just is the pilot and we're riding along with him because when we invite God to direct our path, there's of course, Proverbs three, five, and six that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will guide or direct your path. And then Matthew 16, 24 urges us not to put confidence in ourselves and, but yet to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Perhaps this not me, but the mindset goes against the grain of our culture that really just puts me first. And even though in our fellowship with Jesus, the Bible does teach that each of us are responsible to choose how we will live our own lives, even whether or not we choose to yield them to the Lordship of Christ. While Jesus died for everyone, 
He does not force himself on anyone. That's a decision that you make in order to be a, a, a participant in an ongoing developing intimate relationship with him. But there's a common philosophy prevalent today that goes against this foundational biblical truth that we have the responsibility to make our own choices. And I want to use my daughter's husky to illustrate the current thought. Here's why I asked Google, do people take responsibility for the choices they make? Titan is a gentle dog. He looks menacing with his piercing blue eyes and his wolf-like characteristic, but characteristics, but he is kind. He is long-suffering, especially with our little golden doodle named Callie. And he is eager to please until he sees or finds an opportunity to break free and slaughter our chickens and ducks. Or even worse than that, do what he did in October of 2020 when he led my even kinder English shepherd to a premature death on a midnight run. Titan in my book actually has 10 chickens, two ducks, and one really great dog on his extremely marred record. Nevertheless, we continue to feed him and take care of him, pet him and love him, forgive him over and over and over again. And we build bigger, better fences to contain him. All the while, he just sits in his new favorite spot under the treehouse, looking out over his vast domain, our backyard, as if he were king of the yard, watching his people serve him with better constraints. Or he's on the run like the convicted felon that he is. And in fact, when I was writing this blog post, he was literally on the run that very day. We had uh, my daughter's boyfriend, John, and my husband, Tom, both working hard on the fence and building it. There were three gates in between the great outdoors, the great beyond, and the place where Titan was sitting. And would you know that when I got home from picking the girls up at school, I noticed that Titan was not in the backyard under the treehouse looking over his vast domain. And I also noticed that all three of the gates were propped open. Hmm, go figure. Anyway, in all of this time, Titan never has to take responsibility for the choices he's made. It's uncanny. When I asked my 11-year-old granddaughter, Misty, how she felt about him killing her chickens, this was the first time when she was 11 years old and when the first set of chickens, the ones that were delivering beautiful eggs, when they were killed, she said, Nana, I can't be mad at him. It's just his instinct. He can't help it. So instinct is code for that's just the way he's wired. And therefore, he is out of even his own control. I'm amazed at Misty's generous benevolence toward Titan, and she's not wrong. Dogs like Titan instinctually run when they get a chance, and they kill feathered friends. Unfortunately, though, that same mindset of instinct has drifted into our culture. Perhaps it's connected to the origins of life theory that removes an intelligent creator. For if we evolved from slime, wouldn't that make us the same as all other living organisms? 
aren't we all simply living in this marvelously mysterious world interacting with each other for a season of less than 100 years for most of us? If we separate ourselves from in the beginning God, Genesis 1-1, and God breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, Genesis 2-7, there's nothing that special about us. Here's how it plays out. People do things that are wrong. Then they shirk responsibility for their actions by blaming them on forces beyond their control, either internal or external. People live as if they are at the mercy of their instinct, the same as huskies. If people are driven by instinct, they are thereby released of all responsibility. And as a result, people develop an aloofness that dismisses the consequences other people are paying for their poor choices. Or they play the blame game and hide behind faulty institutions and systems that have created the circumstances that cause them to do the deed. You see, my friends, abdicating responsibility diminishes free will. Dismissal of responsibility is a ploy of Satan to confuse us regarding the freedom we've been given to choose for ourselves how we will live. Satan introduced the concept of abdicating responsibility in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. Look at how Adam dodged personal responsibility when God called him to give an account for the wrong he had done. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Who's Adam blaming, Eve or God? Sounds to me like he's ultimately shoving the responsibility for the situation he's in on God. Satan introduced a shifty way of thinking that boomerangs responsibility of your actions to powers beyond your control. He did this by enticing Eve not to eat the apple, but to doubt God. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Did you see how he did that? Satan directed Eve's attention away from her abundance and focused it on her lack. Then he got her to thinking, did God really say? Before that moment in time, Eve most likely didn't have any problem with what God said. She was satisfied with what he'd provided for her. But now that the serpent mentioned it, what on earth was going on? Once Satan had Eve wondering, he sucker punched her with an outright lie. Not attached to the facts, 
but rather stitched to the motives behind the facts. In that fuzzy world of, I wonder what they might have meant by that, Satan lured Eve away from her trust and confidence in God's love by telling her that his motives were self-serving and that she was therefore missing out. Eve played right into his trap by noticing not only that the food was good to eat, but also desirable for gaining wisdom. It would be reasonable to wonder why God didn't show up right then at that very moment and stop all this from happening. I certainly would have done that. If it meant saving my people from the pain that most certainly follows the consequences of poor choices, I would spend my life running from loved one to loved one like some kind of superhero arriving just in the nick of time to redirect their attention to another tree. I'd have to have superpower to do that, but if I had it, I'd do it. But there was a very good reason why God didn't, and it has everything to do with free will. Jesus told us that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that he, Jesus, came to give us life more abundantly. That's in John 10, 10. One of the ways that Satan steals from us is by tricking us into giving up the freedom we have to choose to trust God's love for us so that we get to live as recipients of the abundance he has for us. Let me say that again. One of the ways that Satan steals from us is by tricking us into giving up the freedom we have to choose to trust God's love for us so that we get to live as recipients of the abundance God has for us. What happened after the fall? Adam and Eve were dismissed from the Garden of Eden. They were separated from the abundance God had for them. But back to our original theme. Why it's important to take responsibility for the choices we make and why we don't want to. Notice that once God did show up, he confronted Adam first. And Adam's response to God's question regarding the forbidden fruit was this. That woman you gave me. Over and over, we hear that the reason someone broke the rules or behaved in a way that wounded another person is because they were influenced by forces, internal or external, that were beyond their control. If we buy into their excuses, we take away the power they have to make their own decisions. Note that God did not take the bait. He held everyone responsible for their part of the deed. Eve for tempting Adam. Of course, she then followed suit and blamed the serpent. The serpent for tempting Eve and Adam for giving in. All of them reaped the consequences of the choices they made. God came on the scene and in essence, he said, Adam, Eve, serpent, you are ultimately responsible for your own choices, consequences, happiness, and lives in total. You're almost always in control of what's going on. And when things are not going the way you'd like, or you make choices that are not the best, you need to look at your role in the situation. Then God doled out the consequences. When it's time to accept the consequences of our own poor choices, we don't like it. No one loves consequences. Read Genesis 3 and get a load of those curses. Even with thousands of years separating us from that fateful day, 
And even with advancement in technology, we're still reaping the consequences just as much now as they did then, or almost as much now as they did then. Can you say thank you, Jesus, for epidurals? <laughs> we still have pain in labor and delivery. We still have to fight poison ivy and mosquitoes and and um, what do we call them? Thistles in Tennessee when we're trying to plant gardens. We still ha are hating the snakes that crawl on their bellies. It's still here, 2,000 years later. But let me wrap this up by reminding you what, about what happens when we allow people to evade responsibility for the choices they make. If we play into the theory that people are victims of systems, institutions, and other powers beyond their control, people become weak and in need of saving. We develop a savior complex and we set out to exercise our superpowers to save them. And isn't the savior complex just another example of desiring to be like God or to be God? When we move into Wonder Woman or Superman mode, we begin taking responsibility for the choices they make. And eventually we might begin treating them like our family treats Titan. We dismiss their actions that might even have been destructive to others. And we start building fences to protect them and to protect others from them. After a while, our social order begins to look like my backyard, all chopped into pieces with sturdy fences marking off territories in order to separate all my pets from each other in an effort to keep everyone safe. If you've chosen this victim mentality, don't be surprised if you find yourself sitting regally under a treehouse in a shrinking backyard. There's not much freedom in that. I'm recording this podcast on the porch of my laughing place in the North Carolina mountains. So if you hear the crickets or the dogs barking, it's because it has gotten dark out here and I'm sitting on the porch at night finishing up. But I hope you've enjoyed this conversation that we just had. You see, the devil always wants us to think we're victims of powers beyond our control. You know, Satan and other spiritual practices will offer you amulets and charms to protect you from the powers out there. He'll introduce you to the bondage of spiritual practices that are meant to appease the gods or induce them to bless you or convince them not to curse you. They'll either attract energies or repel them. The devil wants us to forget that we ourselves get to take responsibility for the choices we make. God gave us freedom to choose. When we choose to accept Jesus' gift of salvation, we begin to experience the expanded freedom that comes in living our lives surrendered to God. We grow in our dependence on His love and goodness to meet our every need. And we discover that His resources are inexhaustible. Don't you want to know God, the one who loves you and wants what is best for you? It's simple. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I understand that I have made some really bad decisions. I've tried to make good choices, or maybe I haven't, and I've done things that are wrong. But I understand that you came to this world to save people like me from the poor choices that I've made. And so, Jesus, I accept your gift 
the gift of salvation that you died in my place on the cross. Thank you for dying for me. I ask that you would come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and take me to heaven when I die. I want from this point forward for you to be the Lord and Master of me. I want to take responsibility for the choices I make beginning right now with making this decision. And I thank you for saving me. It's in your powerful name I pray. Amen. I hope that if you prayed that prayer today that you will tell a trusted friend. Maybe somebody shared this podcast with you and if they did, be sure to let them know if it impacted your life in that way. And I also want to encourage you to get involved in a church in your own community where people love Jesus and each other. You'll be able to find a church like that. We're all over the place. Until next time, y'all take care and be sure to share this podcast with anybody who might be encouraged by it.